This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello and welcome in to the Fog.net podcast. My name is Michael Swain, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 Sports. And I'm joined like I am every Sunday by Kevin Flaherty. I think we'll probably keep these going. These have been a lot of fun to do. Um, maybe in the basketball season, certainly gone over the next few weeks because KU's got a bowl game to go to. Um, their signing day. There's a lot of exciting things ahead for the program. But here today we're going to talk about KU's 47-27 to loss to Kansas State. And Kevin, I want to start here. I left Manhattan last night way too late. Um, but as I left, I recorded a video and was kind of talking about, hey, has, has KU closed the gap on K-State? I want to start there. I'll give my answer after yours, but from your perspective, has KU closed the gap on K-State at all? And and I guess what did you see in Saturday's game? Yeah, I you know, I think a good place to start is actually what Lance Leipold said about it. It was his last answer, you know, at the press conference, and he was asked, you know, hey, are are you guys closing the gap? And he said, I'm not going to judge right now if it's closing. I'll let some of you that have watched it over the years tell me if it's closing. I like the direction of our program. I think Chris does a hell of a job. He's got a fine staff, and he's got some very talented players. But, yeah, again, the score doesn't show that a gap's been narrowed. So I really don't. I can't comment on it until we actually prove it. And I thought that that was a really interesting place to take it because I think it's obvious the gap has been narrowed, you know, especially when you look at the lines in particular. And this Mm -hmm. wasn't one of those games where Kansas State just came out and bullied Kansas all over the field and Kansas just never had a shot. And from that respect, I I think the gap has been closed. And, you know, I'm somebody that's been covering these since 2002. So, I mean, I've seen, you know, case and, and even before that, you know, following Kansas and stuff and seeing, you know, both schools being bad and then both schools being, you know, a little bit better with Glenn Mason and and Bill Snyder and Snyder kind of elevating Kansas state over Kansas. And then, you know, Mark Mangino kind of swinging that pendulum around and then Bill Snyder again, and and K state's kind of been on, on top since. And, but when you look at it, 
and we it feels like we talk about this every week, Kansas didn't get to this point by taking moral victories. They didn't get to this point by saying, hey, we threw a scare into Kansas State, or hey, this score was this close in the fourth quarter, or, or hey, we had our chances. And so from that perspective, I 100% get what he's saying, right? Like it's still a 20-point loss to Kansas State, no matter how you cut it up. And mm-hmm. so I do think the gap's been closed. I, I think you can see that from a talent standpoint. But on the scoreboard, where it matters, it, it didn't really close that much. What were your thoughts? Yeah, it's hard to say. It really is. I think you made good points about that line of scrimmage because this is a KU team that I think against non-up-tempo teams has really shown a lot of progress. And I think you look at the front four and even the front seven as a whole, in the first half when the offense was sustaining drives, that unit looked good when it had a minute, a couple minutes to rest on the sideline. And then I think in the second half when KU's offense really sputtered, it really struggled. And I think it's just something that we've seen this season when the offense – Everything with Kansas is so intertwined, right? Kansas, you pull like a little thread and things can really unravel for this team. And that's just where they're at, right? They've got fine margins. They can't fumble a punt inside the five, and we'll talk about that. Um, But just for me, I look at the line of scrimmage. I think that's where you have to start because I always think about kind of that 2019 game when it felt like Kansas was making progress. The skill position players were there. Right, Andrew Parchment, Stephon Robinson, you know, Carter Stanley, Puka Williams. It was a good team. But they just got their tail kicked at the line of scrimmage. And K-State just decided we're going to run the ball down your throat all game. And we're going to get pressure with four. And I think you look at this game and look at the first half. K-State averaged 3.8 yards per carry. 57 rush yards at halftime. You take that. And I think that's a really good performance. And then in the second half, when everything kind of unraveled and the defense wore down. It goes to 6.4 yards per carry. You can look at the average distance to go on third down. It was seven yards to go in the first half. In the second half, it was three. This is a team that I think in the first half is where you can maybe take that benchmark of where are they at? Because in the second half, so much didn't go KU's way in terms of the offense. I think things got conservative, Um, but I think overall it's just hard to tell. And I think Leipold's right. I think you can find little minutia within the game, parts within the game where Kansas has closed the gap. But at the end of the day, it's still a 20-point loss. And in recruiting, kids aren't really going to look at that. They're going to look at the final score and say, oh, well, okay, you lost by 20 again. Or the casual fan is just going to look and say, oh, all right, it was a blowout. When I think if you watch the game yourself, you knew KU was in this game for stretches. But I want to go to the beginning because, my God, <laughs> it was diabolical. Absolutely diabolical. And it was special teams. And special teams for this team has really, really been bad the last few weeks, right? Jacob Borchilla didn't make the trip. Um, it's on me for not asking Lance about it. I, I slipped my mind with all the other things that happened in the game. But he did not make the trip. Um, and you start getting a three and out, right? He gets a three and out, and you're thinking, wow. It's very similar to the Texas game, right, where the defense gets a stop to begin the game. And you're thinking, okay, let's see what happens. And then – O.J. Burroughs muffs a punt inside the 10-yard line. What would you think of that, Kevin? Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty devastating. And to your point about not asking Leipold, I think it's important to note that 
Leipold ended his press conference by basically saying, does anybody besides yeah. Swain have a question to ask? Because you, you, you would ask the lion's share of the questions. But no, it's – and I thought, you know, one of the questions you did ask him was about O.J. Burroughs, and I'm glad you asked him that. And one of the things he said is it's a misnomer, right, to say that you don't feel the ball when it's when it's over your head. I think he can say that, and I, I think, you know, he's protecting his player a little bit. Uh, I think OJ did some really nice things yesterday. Yeah. That tackle right before that, you know, one-on-one on Deuce Vaughn in space was one of the best defensive plays KU's had all year, um, especially, you know, non-turnover division but third down you know chopping deuce down like that it, that's not a play a lot of people in the big 12 make in no. general uh but then you go right back the ball is punted over your head it's a wet field he tries to field it he slips muffs the punt let's just say for a second it's perfect field conditions you still don't feel that punt you still don't feel the punt that goes over your head inside the 10 like that. I, I just, I don't see, and, and I get, you know, returning punts is tougher, I think, than the average person thinks that it is because uh, you do have to make those split second decisions of, hey, am I going to go field this? Am I not? But at the same time, there needs to be a part on the field where you can just say, you know what, that's still past me. I'm at the eight, I'm at the 10, you know, I'm letting this guy go. Even if he caught it, stayed up, stayed upright, et cetera, he wasn't doing anything with it. It was well covered, you know, it, it, and all of those things. And so it was just some a play that didn't need to be made. And it really, it hurt in that you gave up seven points. And let's be honest, Kansas was chasing that seven points for okay. quite a while in this game. But even beyond that, you come out, you get the three and out and, and have the momentum that that generates, you know, after you kick the ball to K-State to start, if you, and we saw, you know, Kansas have a pretty well-scripted offense, you know, in, in terms of how things went early. If you get that stop, the ball is, you know, bounces into the end zone for a touchback, you march down and you take the seven nothing lead. I think that changes the entire complexion of that game yesterday. 100%. It 100% does. And so much of what KU does has to be intertwined. Yep. And it's about momentum. About momentum. And that just nuked it. Because the first play then, it's a touchdown, and the defense has no shot. No shot, right? You give a team a first and goal from the five after the defense just got a stop and they're sitting on the sideline thinking – all right, here we go. You know, I'm sure the coaches were coaching the guys up like, hey, great start to the game. Good job. And then all of a sudden, you probably heard the crowd roar and the defense is like, wait, what? Oh, we got to go out there again? Like, it's just a tough position to put them in. And I think that I agree with you. It's the old adage, right? Put your heels on the 10. Don't back up. Let it go behind you. Because yeah. like, like you said, what is OJ going to do? I think he's a really athletic player. He's a good player. But what is he going to do? Make try and make a guy miss and get to the 12. Like, you're not scoring a touchdown from there, particularly with K State special teams unit and just how good that thing is overall. And that wasn't the only special teams mistake. Oh, oh you know, no. Oh, and, no. You know, when you when you look at what led into a safety, oh. you know, what, what did you see? What did you see on, on that part and everything? Because it, you know, at that point, you know, when K State oh. winds up getting that safety related to that mistake, 
you're down 16 to seven where you literally gave away nine points. That's the edge at that point. It is. And guess what? This drives me, drives me crazy about this kickoff return unit. It, It, Kenny Logan has not returned a kickoff since 2020 against Iowa state. And yet he returned, tries to return it a bunch and ends up at the 20 or the 18 more often than not. What is Trevor Wilson doing? Taking that kickoff out. What is he doing? Take it at the 25. KU's first three drives outside of that one. They started at the 25. Guess what they did? They scored a touchdown. They drove 75 yards. You cannot put the offense in position where it's at the 10. That's you can't like I, you let the ball go in the end zone. You wave your hand and fair catch it. It doesn't matter where your heels are. It doesn't matter if you're inside the 25, right? The new rule in college football, you can wave your hand in the air, fair catch it. Boom. You get it at 25. It was just a terrible decision, terrible decision. And then all of a sudden you put the offense in behind the eight ball and look like, yeah, Bryce Cable shouldn't have held the guy. I'd argue, like, you look at the play, it's like, ah, is that really a holding? Like, the guy kind of slipped and fell down, and it looks probably a little bit worse than it is. But just that was just an awful stretch where you literally just handed the game away. If KU has – they lost by 20. Take away 16 points. What do you have? A one-score game, and the momentum is a lot different. So, I don't know. It was just a diabolical special team start. Diabolical. Yeah, and it's brutal because, like you were saying, you're chasing that the rest of the game. That's that's something where, and, and you know, you know from not just football but basketball as well. College kids respond to momentum, and mm-hmm. I think if you're in a seven to seven game, that feels different to players than chasing a nine point deficit or chasing a double digit deficit, and so. I do think, you know, there was a chance for Kansas to come out. I, I thought um, I thought Andy Kotelnicki scripted a really great game plan to start. Mm-hmm. And with the way the defense played and, and, you know, the one thing that we are leaving out because we're talking mostly special teams right now, the coverage bust really hurt too that allowed Sammy Wheeler Mm -hmm. to have a 42 yard touchdown Uh, because at that point you're looking at it and you're saying the defense isn't playing that bad. The offense came out with a good script and you're still down, you know, to this, to this margin. And it just put Kansas behind the eight ball kind of all night. Exactly. And again, so much of what Kansas does and so much of the success that the team has had has been playing pretty complimentary football, right? I think we can even go back to the start of the season. Yes, Kansas fell down 14 to nothing in games against Houston and games against um, West Virginia, but the defense then got stops when it needed to at times in the game, right? Overtime, Kobe Bryant makes the pick six. You've got the interception from Kenny Logan at Houston, right, that flips the game on its head. So much of Kansas' success was playing complimentary football. And just since Jalen Daniels got hurt, really even since I think you could say kind of the Iowa State game, they just have not been able to play in sync. And yep. again, KU's not in a spot right now where as a program and as a team, they can overcome not playing in sync. They just don't have the dudes. And that's perfectly fine to say that. It's perfectly fine to say this is the best Kansas team in over a decade. Um, it's a good team. It is not the worst team in the Big 12. 
if you want to look at the 24 seven sports, you know, talent composite, it is still the, the worst talented team in the big 12. And I think we all know that coaching can elevate players, right? How long has Texas and Oklahoma had kind of the most talented teams in the big 12 and some of the most talented defenses in the big 12 and they can't do anything. Right. It still comes down to coaching. And I think this team is pretty well coached, but man, like as I, as the season has gone on, I, I, there are times when I'm like, man, like there, it doesn't look like the same team you saw last season, right? Almost 10 more penalties this season than last season. Um, that's not great. A lot more miscues, it seems like. But I think maybe part of that, too, is you bring in a bunch of new players and that's going to happen. But I just for me, you got to play in sync. And so the offense, a really good game plan. Jalen Daniels looked pretty good. Yeah. That was a lot better in terms of just his progression. And I thought the decision making he made was really good. Um, still, I think there were moments when maybe the arm wasn't as sharp as you saw early in the season, but overall, like Jalen, I thought looked really good. And you almost wish there was more games because I'd be interested to see what he looks like after another week of practice and building that confidence. Cause just, you know, week one to week two, in terms of coming back, man, talk about an improvement. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Yeah, yeah. I think that this is closer to weeks one through five, Jalen, than it was what we saw against Texas. And not just 
Jalen's play, but also Kansas's confidence in Jalen mm. in terms of allowing him to keep the ball on plays, being able to run the option and not using him strictly as a decoy. Because we talked about it last week, you know, against Texas, there were there were read plays where it wasn't really a read. Jalen was designed to to hand that thing off with the illusion that that he would keep it, and Texas didn't fall for it. And when that happens, you know, you're you're playing with an arm behind your back, you know, offensively. And I, I think the the one thing about it, I did think, you know. Both defenses settled in, Kansas and Kansas State, as the game went on. Uh, I think it's going to be tempting for some people to lay blame on the defense for last night's game that isn't necessarily fair. And and I think that when you look at – there was a stretch in the middle of the game that was – it started in the second quarter, went into the third quarter, where K-State had six drives that achieved 91 yards combined. And, you know, some of that they scored, some of that K State scored because they had short fields because, you know, Kansas's offense or, or special teams or whatever gave them short fields. But mm-hmm. when your defense is allowing 91 yards over six drives, that's where the offense needed to make its move. And, and it's something that we, you just talked about being in sync, right? And it's something that I feel like we talked about in the Oklahoma game was there was a stretch in the middle of that Oklahoma game where, you know, the game was sort of being decided and Kansas's offense went quiet. And that was when they needed the offense to show up. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, you look at that Kansas drive chart, I think Kansas's last, you know, seven or so drives, I think they had 110 yards mm-hmm. total. And so, you know, that's – you look at that punt, 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 fumble – on the K-State side, punt, punt. You know, you look at the the Kansas drive chart there and, and you you see, you know, all the punts and, and you know, and, and all the different things. And it's – that's where the offense needed to continue to perform. Yep. And it's easy to look at it and say K-State had seven yards per play. K-State had over 400 yards of total offense. K-State had 47 points. K-State's offense was terrific. A lot of that yardage came on a couple chunk plays. And, you know, other than that, I thought the defense was really, really good. Mm -hmm. I thought there was a portion in the middle of the game where the defense was really good. And Kansas just couldn't quite get, say, that extra score to put pressure on K-State where, you know, you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, it's a 10 point game after Kansas misses the two point conversion that's dropped as opposed opposed to let's just say you had an extra touchdown at that point. So instead of 10, it's three, that's a whole different ball game. And and you see the pressure mounting on K state at that point, but Kansas just couldn't quite get to that point to apply sort of that extra level of pressure. Yep. I totally agree. And so a couple of things I want to, piggyback off of there from you um you mentioned the two big plays right so an 80 yard run from deuce fawn on third down we'll have to talk about third down in a second um and then the 42 yard touchdown catch you take away those two plays those those busts k-state averaged about 5.3 yards per play over the course of the game and for reference over the course of the game they averaged seven that's how important those two plays were in terms of the overall yardage of k-state in the game on the drive chart here that we've got pulled up for our YouTube audience, KU averaged about three, 
yards per play, slightly more like 3.2, 3.3 yards per play over the last seven drives. Just wasn't good. And I think it's a, a multitude of issues. You know, KU wasn't sharp in the passing game. I think things were a little bit off. Mm-hmm. And then the running back position. Um, I mean, shout out to Devin Neal. Shout out to Devin Neal. Man, mm-hmm. he is not healthy at all. And for him to go out there and continue to play and grind away, I just is super impressive. And so you look at the running back room as a whole. Sevion Morrison has practiced this week. Kai Thomas flat out wasn't available. Um, and so it's just a, a running back room that is depleted. And obviously there's the fumble there from Tory Lachlan. And, you know, Tory Lachlan hasn't taken a bunch of carries this year between the tackles. And so it's just a position where KU went from such a loaded running back room to you lose Daniel Hyshaw for the season. You mm-hmm. have Kai Thomas who gets injured. Um, I think in camp he missed some time because he was sick. And then he gets hurt against Houston. And then really hasn't been the same since. And then Sevion yeah. Morrison has been, you know, okay, but just hasn't had a bunch of snaps. And, and so and the let, running back room that mm-hmm. let, let's be honest. I mean, you know, just to throw this in there, and you've made this point before, we haven't seen Kai Thomas yet. No. no. Like, like Minnesota Kai Thomas, no. 800 yards on the ground Kai Thomas. We did not see him all year. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's important to point that out because I think not only did he miss last night's game, even when he's played this year, he, he hasn't been Kai Thomas. And I think that when you look at, at Kansas, you know, projecting forward and looking at all the guys who could return next year and saying, okay, you know, which guys are coming back, you know, could break out, et cetera. I would not be a bit surprised to see a, a healthy Kai Thomas mm-hmm. be among those guys that, that steps up and plays really well. No, exactly. And so I pulled up the, the Lance Lapple quote where sure. you know, I kind of asked him, you know, just how tough has Devin been? Cause it's been pretty apparent that he had that big workload right against Oklahoma state and then against Texas tech. And it's pretty clear that in taking that on and taking that head on that it probably has some adverse effects. So he's one that's going to benefit from this kind of month off, but all right, Kevin, we need to talk about third down. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. Like that's all I can say. Um, I need to go pull up the thing for my story real quick, but the third down numbers, just what do you think? I'll find the stats here in a second, but what's your take on third down? Yeah. I mean, it's been a problem all year defensively that even when Kansas has been able to throw offenses off schedule, throw them behind the chains, they haven't been able to get off the field. And, And that's, it's just devastating because when you get Kansas State to third and 10, that's where you want to be. When you get Kansas State to third and 11, that's where you want to be. And Kansas did that twice early in the game, didn't get off the field. And those are instances where Kansas State went down to score. And, you know, you look at it uh, from a from a defensive standpoint, those things accumulate over the course of a game too. You know, those are drives where you have a chance to get off the field relatively quickly, you know, get your offense back out there, maybe put some wear and tear on the opposing defense. And instead you're putting it on your own defense because they're staying out there. They're facing a lot more plays because they didn't get off the field. Mm -hmm. That's been a problem all year. And you could aim a lot of things at it. You can say, Hey, Kansas is pretty conservative defensively. Uh, I I don't think that's a secret to anybody. Kansas 
bases out of a quarter scheme that's that's pretty loose that basically says keep everything in front of you and eventually the other team will make a mistake. Maybe something they need to look at in the postseason or yeah, in the postseason heading into the bowl game and then you know heading into next season is hey, is this a situation where maybe we need to start sending more guys? Is this a situation where when Kansas is out looking for guys in the transfer portal, they say, hey, let's find a third down pass rusher, somebody that it doesn't matter if this guy can do everything in our defense. We just want somebody that on third downs is going to make sure that the quarterback knows where he's lined up. There, there are different things you can look at there. Offensively, I feel like Kansas had some good moments on third down, mm-hmm. but wasn't quite polished enough. There were there were a few near misses out there. You look at the um, the pass to LJ Arnold, um, where mm-hmm. he runs the route and is just short of the sticks. You look at uh, at some of the plays where maybe the pass was just a little bit too late to get there. You know, there, there were different things and in Kansas's overall third down numbers weren't awful, but I, I think the other thing about it, and I know you're getting ready to talk more third down, but the other thing about it is when you're not going for some of those fourth downs and, and in particular one, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about here in a minute, you know, that's, that that's tough when you get in those situations and you can't extend your own drives too. Exactly. And so here are the third, I wrote about it a little bit in our, my post-game observation story. Um, oh my gosh. Like the fact that three of K, K-State's first four touchdown drives had a third and long yep. that K-State converted. You know, you talk about momentum in games and swinging back and forth. It was interesting because there was a time in the game when K-State was three of three on third and nine plus one for five on anything shorter. It makes no sense <laughs> except your point right there that the quarters coverage, the idea of we're going to play soft, keep it in front of us. And all of a sudden, Oh my gosh, they have, they get 11 yards. They get 10 yards. That's the issue. And I think you saw KU dial up pressure on third and short because it's one of those situations that Brian Brolin's talked about where if it's third and short, you know, the offensive playbook is big. So the defensive coordinator has to counter and say, well, how can I make this quarterback get the ball quick? Well, we're going to send pressure. I'd argue I'd send pressure on every third down. Just at this point, like with what the defense has shown, and obviously it's too late in the season now, but you just send pressure. Just do it. Because what? They're going to get, they're going to convert. Well, guess what? They were doing that anyway. Like, you know, so why not? And then in the second half, you know, K-State just made it to where they were running the ball so well on first and second down that it was third and shorts. And it's kind of wild that even then K-State was 50% on third down, even with all those third and shorts. I just, the third down issue over the course of the season is just wild. Like Oklahoma, Baylor, just games that KU ended up being in at the end, but didn't feel like it at times. There were just some of those plays where it's third and 11, third and 12, and the other team converts. And that's just something that over the offseason, I think they're going to have to work on because as a team, if you want to consistently be a bowl team, those situations can't happen. You get a, If you do the, the right work on first and second down, you need to be able to get off the field on third down and not allow 
on a third and 11, 10 yards to where someone like Joey McGuire is like, great, I'm going to go for this, right? Mm -hmm. Because then you're in a tough position as well. So I just third down overall for me is one of those where I just defensively for KU, it's just you scratch your head and say, man, this just didn't get fixed over the course of the season. And it's something that will have to be worked on over the offseason. And, I mean, you know the coaches know this. Like, we're not saying anything that's news to them. They're well aware of it. They're going to work to fix it. Um, but it's still worth saying this is an issue and it needs to be fixed because it does. Yeah, I think I think when you look at – with so many returning players, you know, and it's impossible to say how many, you know, Kansas could return as many as 10 starters off that offense. Uh, but obviously Transfer Portal exists, NIL mm-hmm. exists, all these different things. But at the same time, I think when people say, okay, you're returning all these guys, where do you make a jump? Where Where's the area for improvement? I think a very specific area that Kansas can improve is just getting off the field on third and long. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's kind of a, a, a point this season. Like you, not that they've, you know, they've been bad at it all season. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's, a point that if you go back and say, okay, all of a sudden KU on third and seven plus, let's say Kansas gets off the field on 80 or 90% of those situations, mm-hmm. you're looking at a vastly different season for the 2022 Kansas Jayhawks. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And that's the position you're in as a program, too. And that's yep. the cool part about it, right? That you're not sitting here saying, well, okay, he's got to do this, 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 and this to win more games. No, you're looking at very fine moments. Yep. Can the offense run the ball a tiny bit more consistently on first and second down so that they can face third and short like they did early in the season? Can the defense get off the field on third down and long more consistently? Can the team not commit as many penalties? These are very fine things that can be improved over an offseason. And I want to go here now, Kevin. I did not prep you for this, and I didn't prep for this, but you mentioned it, so I'm going to build off of it. Um, areas of need this offseason. And I'm, we'll do an offseason podcast later, but just quickly, sure. quick hit. Like if you could assess offensively and defensively one position, what is it? You know, defensively, they're going to have to rebuild defensive tackle. Uh, they're losing so much experience there. I, I, I think, you know, you'd love to add guys, I think, at every level of the defense. You'd like to be deeper at cornerback. You'd like to continue to get more athletic at linebacker. Mm-hmm. Just from a sheer numbers standpoint, what you're mm-hmm. losing at defensive tackle, you're going to have to get some plug-and-play guys there mm-hmm. because of all of the guys that you're – 
you're losing there. Offensively, I think you're a little bit more luxury hunting, right? Like in terms of, you know, bringing back uh, 10 of 11 starters, potentially you're already bringing in a former five-star offensive tackle. Um, so you're, you're kind of good there. The one piece I feel like Kansas is really missing offensively is sort of that explosive dude. Right. And if you watch Maxion, you know, on a random Tuesday night or whatever, you see those guys a lot, right? Like mm-hmm. where somebody throws a quick slant or a hitch or something, and the guy catches the ball and just explodes past the defense and, you know, and makes a big play. Kansas's receiving group, I think, has been solid this year. Mm-hmm. I, you know, LJ has had some good moments, contested catch guy. Quentin Skinner over the top, he's made some great highlight catches. Luke Graham being, you know, sort of the third down target. But they don't have a yak guy. They don't have that guy that, you know, can catch the ball and, and just, you know, sort of, uh, pardon my language, but tear ass by everybody. And and, and I think, you know, when you, when you look at, you know, what Kansas was looking at in recruiting, mm-hmm. um, I think Kansas saw Trey Richardson kind of being that guy as a running back who would also probably get reps at wide receiver, but being a guy who has that four, three speed, you know, can, can get touches in space and really explode. Obviously that recruitment didn't, didn't work out, but I'm saying a type of guy like that, you know, somebody who's going to be sort of an explosive athlete, do some things. I know Kansas has offered and this is in recruiting and not in the transfer portal, but we know Kansas has offered Briggs Bartosh as a preferred walk-on. He's somebody that I think down the line, he's got a lot of speed. He's somebody that could maybe be that type of guy a little bit, mm-hmm. not necessarily for next year, though. And so I do think that if I'm portal shopping, that's kind of what I'm looking for is, okay, who's who's a guy that's, that's going to catch the ball on a wide receiver screen and the defense all of a sudden gasps? because this guy has the ball in his hands. Cause I don't think Kansas has that guy right now. No, they don't. They don't. Um, and it's just Mar- tough because then you have to execute for 10 plays, 15 plays to score touchdowns when you're not chunking, you know, plays like that. Exactly. I think that's why the Quentin Skinner stuff. So early in the season was so yeah. awesome to see. Obviously great story. Quentin Skinner, you know, walk on to scholarship guy. You know, he earned his way on special teams. He became a scholarship player because he was on special teams and has such a really good season. Um, I agree. I think I think you're pretty spot on there. Um, the Marcus Allen, the Wisconsin wide receiver transfer, is going to be on campus this time next week. Um, interesting one, probably a little bit bigger, more possession guy, probably yeah. a little closer to you know your your, your LJ Arnold than maybe a uh, quick burner, but still a wide receiver. KU is going after. KU is looking to get more wide receiver help. Um, yeah. And it's fine. Like you can never have too many guys on the outside that are like that. Right. And it's nice to have a, a, a nice complement of guys where you're not super one dimensional wide receiver. Right. Each guy does something a little bit differently. And obviously Douglas a million played a lot more on Saturday against K-State. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you still got him. And I just think that room as a whole, if you add one more guy that is a, a big play threat, I think you're just adding more dimensions that the other team has to account for like we've seen with tight end where Mason Fairchild's in and then Jared Casey and then Cardell and each guy does something a little bit differently where the defense has to be totally locked in on who is on the field and what do they do. And I think that's huge for the offense. I think defensively defensive tackle is the one Um, going to have to go out and get 
one or if not two transfers and, and kind of see how that works. Obviously, Tommy Dunn and DJ Withers are both going to take the next step forward this offseason. Um, you know, Caleb Taylor uh, will be around next year too. Um, I thought he had an okay year. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, bowl game. Bowl game. What do you want? In terms of what Kansas shows or which bowl? Which I mean, which bowl? Who do you want to play? Like you know, I, I I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm going to the bowl wherever it's at, so I wouldn't mind it being sunny. <laughs> you know, whether that's Phoenix or, or Texas or or wherever. But uh, but no, I I think you know you want to go into a bowl game where you're playing you know a, a matchup that you see as winnable because a lot of times, and, and that seems so obvious to say, but one of the great things about bowl games is a lot of times you're the only bowl game on at a certain mm-hmm. time or you're one of only two games on. And so it's not like a random week 10 where your game is one of, you know, 15 at that time slot, the attention is on your program. And there are a lot of college football degenerates like myself who, who are out there, watching, yep, uh, who are out there watching, you know, Toledo versus army or, or whatever else in a certain time slot. And it's a commercial for your program. And, and I remember, you know, and I, I realize I, I keep doing my back in the day thing, you know, on this show, but, you know, I remember covering the Tangerine Bowl and playing mm-hmm. NC State with like Philip Rivers and Jericho Cotter and all those oh. guys. And, and like everybody knew Kansas was going to get killed, like heading into that. Like NC State was, should not have been in that bowl game. And I think that, you know, the Mangino staff would probably tell you that NC State should not have been in that bowl game. It was still an overall positive experience and going to a bowl game. But at the same time, I, I think that when you when you look at what Kansas wants, you know, I, I think that having uh having that chance, whether it's at the guaranteed rate bowl, whether it's the Liberty Bowl, but having a matchup that you feel like you've got a chance to win and really show off your program is an important thing. I know this is going back a a step a little bit, but you mentioned Douglas Emelian guys like Douglas Emelian and Tommy Dunn and DJ Withers are why this bowl season is so important Mm -hmm. because all of those guys are guys that saw time to some extent this year. Um, The defensive tackles had some good moments, at times this year and now you have these 15 bowl practices where a lot of times at least half of that time is used to get more reps for the young players get them working with the ones get them these opportunities and so i know that Emilian came in never really quite hit his stride this year Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean he can't be a major factor for your receiving unit next year and i think that you know, with you being at press conferences, talking to different people from the people that we talked to, Kansas is still high on Douglas Emilian. Kansas still thinks that he's a guy that that has a role to play. And I, I think that when you look at, at all those extra bowl practices, you know, that uh, that's an area where that could really, really help develop some of the guys you already have in addition to whatever they're going to bring in from the transfer portal, is there a bowl that jumps out to you where you're saying, Hey, either yes, let's go. Or, you know, a a bowl that's jumping out to you where you're like, yes, please, uh, please don't send Kansas to, uh, to that bowl game. Anything but the Liberty bowl for the love of (laughs) it. I just, I don't want to go to like, again, 
this is Michael Swain personal. Like this is not what is best for Kansas. What's best for the brand. This is just me being a selfish person in this moment, <laughs> not the Liberty bowl, please. And don't play Mizzou. That would be so, so dumb. Play someone fun, some fun sec team. I haven't even looked who could possibly make it, but don't have to be Mizzou. The, the, the rivalry game's coming back in a few years. Like, let's not do this. I know people nationally are going to say, oh, what fun. No, not fun. <laughs> Give us like Mississippi State KU or something like that. I don't know. Something fun. But yeah, I want the I want the Armed Forces Bowl. Give me Texas before yeah. Christmas. Before Christmas. All right. That, that's what I'm that's what I'm looking for. But no, you're right. On terms of the bowl practices, I think Lance Leipold. I'm not going to pull up the quote, but um, you can find it on the website. Longest answer of the night. <laughs> was when I asked him about um, the bowl and, and just kind of how important it is. And he kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent, but it's huge. It's just huge for this team. It's huge for the program. Um, the fact that they're at this point in year two is incredible. And it's going to help. We talk about the gap to begin this podcast. Well, how can KU close the gap on K-State, but also being a consistent program like a West Virginia you know, like I would say Iowa State, but this year went totally south. But like Oklahoma State, like Texas Tech, it's through this month of practice. And it's not for the seniors. It's for Ethan Vasco when he takes over after Jalen Daniels. It's for those younger players that not next season, but maybe in 2024 when those guys have to step up, they already have that extra month of practice, right? It's another spring ball, basically. And so it's just so huge for the program and, and closing the gap is obviously going to be the big, the big test. And next year's going to be fascinating because obviously KU should return a lot. Kevin, I'm not looking forward to the next 10 days. Um, I really just, I'd love if we could just fast forward past like December 5th, the, the day the transfer portal opens because yep. it's just going to be chaos. It's going to be chaos. It's going to be crazy. I'm sure some unpredictable things are going to happen. Um, and it's going to be wild, but I think on paper you think, okay, KU should return a lot, and next season the gap should be a lot closer to, to Kansas State, to other teams in the Big 12 as well. And hopefully I think if you're KU, you're hoping maybe you can even widen the gap on programs like West Virginia and Iowa State that you beat this season because if you're going to get the bowl eligibility next year, you're going to have to beat those teams. And so yep. – it's another big month ahead. We're going to do a we'll do a postseason podcast to talk about more in depth needs. Who needs to step up? Who surprised this season? We'll do some season awards, maybe. I don't know. Those are always fun. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you as always for listening to the Fog.net podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Obviously, you're going to have a lot of podcast stuff, got all the press conferences, um, post game rap videos as well. Tons of YouTube content out there for you. If you're listening on the podcast platform of your choice, make sure you subscribe to the Fogden That Podcast and then head over to YouTube and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you as always for listening. We've had a lot of fun doing this. Um, I'm sure we'll be back. Once you figure out the bowl game for Kansas, we'll do a bowl reaction, postseason, talk, <laughs> transfer portal, all the good stuff that makes all the fun college stuff. football. College football is a year-round sport now, Kevin. It is a year-round sport. And I love it. I think college football is a blast mm -hmm. to cover. K, K basketball is, is fun and it's great. College football has just got the something that feels a little different. So it's got the juice. It does. It, it gives me the juice. It's got the juice. It's, it's a ton of fun. <laughs> well, Kevin, thanks as always. Um, really enjoyed doing these during the regular season.
streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.